Hey, this is Jeff and Jeremy from the Ultra Running Guys. We just want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We started this podcast to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. We also want to make sure that you are aware that there are a few ways you can connect with us. So be sure to check us out on our Instagram and Facebook accounts, and you can head over to our website, theultrarunningguys.com, so you can see the live races that we're hosting. Lastly, don't miss out on an opportunity to connect with us on Patreon, where we'll be providing behind-the-scenes content, and this year we'll be spending a lot of time really building up that community. So thank you again. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, and enjoy the episode. I feel like from being an athlete, whether from running or playing basketball, just like, you know, before you even step out onto the court or the trail, just to have confidence in yourself that you're going to accomplish your goal. Um, and I think like having alopecia, like I know that I like stick out. So I'm like, why not like stick out in like a really positive way for being that person that's like working super hard and like giving it her all. And welcome back to the Ultra Running Guys podcast. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And first, just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to spend your time with us. And before we jump into tonight's episode, we got a new review. And so first, we just want to say, if you've taken the time to send us a review, we are so thankful. Please do it if you have not, and we will read it on the podcast. So this one comes from Klaus Stein, uh, Resparked My Motivation says, after two years away from running distance, these guys have reminded me why I love running distance. Awesome podcast with great hosts and amazing guests. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. We would love if you guys would follow, share, tell your friends, just because it helps us build the community. I just think it's great. He said, great host also. I knew it was going to be amazing guests. Great host. I mean, I'm going to take that, knowing that personally for a little bit. Well, and so speaking of amazing guests, mm, right? Have a good so, one. Okay. I also got to kick off with this. I am so excited because we were actually supposed to record this episode a few weeks back and everything happens for a reason. And so since that time, we just finished a super successful event, our event that we had, the Hydra, which went phenomenal, makes me even more excited for uh, the final countdown coming in September. But enough about us. Our guest in that meantime just crushed 160 plus miles in a 48 hour for the upstate ultra country mile and took first place. So clearly a phenomenal runner. Um, all right. So here, here's the deal. I'm going to give you some background on the guest. Um, she has completed 48 marathons, originally had a goal of hundred lifetime marathons, but after COVID hit, which changed things for a lot of us, she's exploded in ultra since April of 2021 with five events of 100 miles or more, including the 160 miles that I just talked about. So the bottom line is she is a force, but as confident as she comes across, and you'll see tonight, she is confident. She's not always felt like she's fit in. So if you're listening today and you struggle to feel like you fit in or you don't have what it takes or you're nervous about jumping into an event, any of that kind of thing, we're going to learn from today's guest how she took control of her confidence and ultimately decided to be true to herself. So Lindsay Walter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Look, 
we're stoked to have you. Mm -hmm. We've been following you for a while. Um, we've had other guests reach out actually and say, hey, you should really have Lindsay on the show. You know, you, oh. you, you, you've made a splash. And so that being said, we're going to talk all about running. But there's one thing that a lot of people know you for. And so you are a huge advocate for the alopecia community. Uh, we know that alopecia is a huge part of your story. So I think before we talk about your success as a runner, we want to talk about kind of that transition, how things have been for you, and some of the statements you've made really about alopecia and running kind of helping you become kind of the true part of yourself. So with that, let's talk about alopecia. Can you tell us a little bit about alopecia itself and then kind of your experience growing up and what that was like? Yeah, so alopecia is an autoimmune hair loss condition. It can happen to anyone at any age at any time. I have universalis, so that's total body hair. So I don't have any arm hair, leg hair, anything like that. The other kind is areata, which is where you lose your hair and then it can grow back. It might be within six months, a year, maybe not at all. And so that is always different, always changing. Um, for me, I lost all of my hair by the age of two, fell out pretty quickly. When I first went to the hospital, they had no idea why I was losing all my hair. And it wasn't until I went to another children's hospital that they diagnosed me with alopecia. Um, I'm 31. So that was, you know, like 30 years ago. And, you know, it was really hard there, you know, social media wasn't a thing. There was no one in my school or community who had alopecia. So I had no way to really kind of connect with others. And just to fit in with my peers, I wore a wig from a really young age and it never really felt like me, but I didn't know how to accept my alopecia, how to talk about it. And it was hard. Kids were terrible to me just for not having like eyebrows and eyelashes. Kids bullied me. They called me a boy. They pulled off my hair. Um, and so I kind of just went through a lot growing up, just feeling isolated. I hated my alopecia. I was not confident in myself at all. Um, I was very fortunate to have athletic ability. I turned to the game of basketball and had a great high school career, like breaking school records, played in college. And that really became like an escape for me, but I still really struggled with my alopecia. It just was kind of bothering me less. And it wasn't really until like after college and I started running that I really learned to accept and love my alopecia and like to become an advocate and want to give back and to be that person. Um, the hardest thing about alopecia is that it's never just your hair. Like you don't realize like how much like your hair means to you until you lose it and it doesn't grow back. And it takes like such an emotional toll on you just because like, I mean, even today, like the stares, the comments, like it's hard to deal with. Um, it's a process and there's no cure for it. Everyone's journey is different. And so that kind of makes it difficult too, just because there's no, I don't know, you just kind of have to live it how it's best for you. But yeah, it is, it is really, really difficult. Really like that statement. You have to live it how it's best for you. Um, and it's interesting, you know, I, I guess it's kind of timely because, uh, you know, alopecia has been in the news quite a bit, right? With Jada Smith and that kind of incident. And I know that you've, you know, you had some things to say on that and some opinions, but I also think that that would be a good thing from an awareness standpoint, um, at least to have some of the conversation going. I know for me personally, probably my first introduction to alopecia was uh, American Ninja Warrior. And I can't remember. His... Kevin, Kevin, yeah. Kevin Ball. Yeah. Kevin Ball. yeah. I mean, the dude's a beast, right? Um, it's crazy. Just, yeah. <laughs> he just seemed like such a good spokesperson and role model. And so I was a huge fan of his. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just to kind of talk a little bit more about that. The whole thing with um, <clears throat> that we just mentioned about Will Smith and everything. Uh, I read your article that you wrote, um, that was written about you, I guess, that they quoted you in and stuff. And <clears throat> it struck me um, what you said, because everybody on social media is talking about, you know, the hit, right? And what took place between Will, you know, and everyone. But what you pointed out was that what she felt in that moment, you resonated with. And I thought, yeah, like there's this en entire other thing that's going on that the world is focused on the drama on the stage. But the hurt that took place in that seat is real. Um, and so when you talked about that a little bit, I thought that's powerful and everything. So I know that you, like you said in the beginning, you've been an advocate for it and we respect that a lot. And you've got, a, you've got something that you call Lindsay's Little Pals um, that you've also been a part of. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so it's a pen pal program that I started. I love to write. I'm very like old school. I love getting mail and writing letters. And so just honestly wanting to be that person that I never had when I was younger, I just know it would have made like a world of difference for me. Like had I known, not even like physically known, but like even if I was writing letters to someone who had alopecia, because for me, like the biggest thing is like, people were like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, it's okay. But I was like, you don't really understand. Um, and so for me, just to be like that person who understands, like I've walked through alopecia basically my whole life. And so just to be that advocate and that friend for them, like sometimes our letters are, you know, talking about alopecia. Sometimes it's talking about sports or like unicorns or just like, you know, but just like being that friend to someone has been just like such an incredible opportunity. Um, yeah, it's a pen pal program for really, it's been mostly kids and teens, but I've also had adults join. Um, it's just been really great and just a really cool way to connect with people all over the, the, the country who have alopecia in various stages. Some of them, you know, just recently diagnosed, some of them have had their hair fully grown back or maybe it's fallen out again. Um, so it's really like stages in kind of every level, but it's been it's been really great. That's cool. And do you so so is it all I'm going to I'm going to ask a little bit of a logistical question because that's how my brain works. Are you the center spoke of this and you write to everybody or do you make connections so that they can write to each other as well? Um, so I've kept it where it's just like myself writing all the letters just because I do have a lot of like their personal information. Um, if people ever ask like, oh, I'm in this city. Is there anyone else in that city? I definitely have connected like people that way, but otherwise it's just been me writing all of the, the letters. I like it. I think it's so good. And, you know, so obviously I would imagine that out of our listener base, you know, the chances that there's a whole group of people with alopecia is probably low, right? But there probably <laughs> is a group of people that, that know somebody that either know somebody or they have some type of relatable situation, right? Because alopecia is one thing, but there are a lot of things that make people feel isolated or not being able to relate to, mm -hmm. you know, different people. So I'm just curious, you know, if there's somebody listening that thinks, man, She's connecting to people that are like her. I, I don't know how to do that with whatever my thing is. Either, you know, are there any words, either things, something that's really helped you kind of change your perspective on, you know, how you deal with alopecia and or just honestly, any techniques, things that have made a difference for you? Because I would imagine there's been some difficult moments along the way. And, and clearly we're talking to a very confident person at, at the moment. Yeah, definitely. So I kind of have two things that come to mind with that. So something that I think is just so important that like I try to do is just like remind myself of like how grateful I am and how many like positive things I have going on in my life. And so when like maybe someone is mean to me or like I have a day where I'm like, oh, alopecia is just really difficult to deal with. I just think of how many things I'm grateful for or that I've been able to do. And with that, like just 
now I see my alopecia as like such an incredible gift. And I mean, had you asked me that like 10 years ago, I never would have said that. But now I see it as like this huge opportunity to connect with people, to share my story. And it's been so great. So I think like thinking of it as like a blessing and a gift and like what it actually has taught me, it's made me such like an empathetic person. And I think like, had I didn't have alopecia, I don't know if I really would be empathetic like the way I am or the way I would want to help people the way I do. So it's brought just kind of like, a whole like character shift um and so just looking at it as that kind of perspective instead of like the victim mentality of course like you're gonna have days where it's really hard and you're not gonna like your alopecia or like whatever it is like we all have that but I think like we also like choose our attitudes and like the way we respond to like kind of the cards we're dealt in life and I think choosing positivity and like being grateful for things like we ultimately are in charge of that so that's kind of my thought on that. I like that a lot. I, I absolutely like, I love it. I really do. Um, there, there's a lot in it. The thing though that I, I think is is fascinating is um, I'm going to go back to something earlier you said. You said even today you heard comments, people stares and all this kind of things. And so it's it's a daily occurrence for you. And, and you, you said what typically you will do is you will respond by thinking of how this is provided um, different opportunities for you and having alopecia has been like a gift and you're grateful for it. And, and this is how you take that that interaction and internalize that experience. Pretend I'm the one who walks into a room and, and I, I see Lindsay and, and you think that the way I'm looking at you as maybe I'm staring or whatever it is, how would you recommend or how would you, what would you like me to know about how I should best interact with you as opposed to how you are always going to have to accept me being whatever it is I'm going to say or do? What, what should I mature in as an individual, right, to, to recognize you? Right. Um, yeah, so definitely like I would say no one enjoys to be like stared at or to have kind of like a double take and I know like it's human nature and it happens and I will say like when people do approach me it's kind of all in their demeanor like right away off the bat I can tell like oh this is going to be like someone and this happens all the time too people assume you know because I don't have hair that I'm sick and they say oh well my you know, sister has cancer and I'm really sorry. And then, you know, I know like from there, they're not, you know, like they're just trying to like relate and like, you know, wish me well and things. And so like that, I don't have a problem with because I know like it's not coming from like a bad place mm -hmm. and they're just trying to like offer sympathy. I'm like, no, I actually have alopecia. And then, you know, like we can talk about it, but it's when people come with like a very kind of, and I feel like also like as of late, people just feel very entitled to expressing their opinions, even like when they're not asked. And so people like have said to me several times, like, oh, I looked prettier, like when I wore my wig or why would you shave your head like that? And it's like, I don't shave my head. Like, this is what it is. And so again, it depends like everyone's demeanor and like the phrases that they're using. So I guess it's just a case by case kind of situation, but I would say like, obviously like treat me the way you would treat anyone else. Like, you know, I feel like sometimes with some with a bald head, I feel like some groups of people who are different are treated differently than other groups are. Um, and I mean, I just bald like isn't it's the norm for people, but it's also not accepted in society the way it should be. I think some people have no problem approaching perhaps someone who's bald versus like someone who is different in another way. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something our society is just like very far behind them. Great answer. Yeah. And I agree that everybody thinks it's okay to share their opinion. It's the world has gone crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes we can filter that a lot better. So bridle that tongue, please. So now as we start to kind of transition, obviously, because, because, you know, the, the reason that we're here is we want to talk running. 
but mm -hmm. you said some things that, Hey, having alopecia has changed some of the ways you, you know, you think and you respond and your empathy. I would imagine it's also to some extent made you tougher. And you mm -hmm. made the, you made the comment, my alopecia has made me a better athlete. How has that played mm -hmm. into, you know, athletics? I would say like alopecia has just made me like super tough and I've had to learn just to like believe in myself. And I feel like from being an athlete, whether from running or playing basketball, just like, you know, before you even step out onto the court or the trail, just to have confidence in yourself that you're going to accomplish your goal. Um, and I think like having alopecia, like I know that I like stick out. So I'm like, why not like stick out in like a really positive way for being that person that's like working super hard and like giving it her all. And it, yeah, it just has made me super like mentally tough just because like having alopecia and dealing with that day in and day out, like carries over into like the athletic side of just everything, especially that like running is, I feel like it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like a mental toughness to keep like pushing through miles. And I feel like that's also like where I really hit my stride because like, I know mental toughness and I know like how to just push through really hard times. And so, yeah, I honestly credit a lot of that to my alopecia. I think the statement of if I'm going to stand like stand oh out, yeah, <laughs> I might as well stand out for this reason. Well, if they're going to stare, they might as well just watch me excel. Watch me run 160 <laughs> miles in 48 right. hours. If you're going to stare right? at me, then go ahead and stare because <laughs> I'm going to blow right by you. But that's something that I think, again, if somebody is listening, regardless of their situation, if they feel like they're having trouble fitting in, or if they feel like mm -hmm. they stand up for whatever reason, that statement is a standalone statement. It's like, huge. That's fantastic. So or, she runs. I know. She's runs. She's so much more. So you, you played basketball. <laughs> we know that you kind of started with the marathon stuff. How did that transition happen? And obviously we know that COVID, right, kind of blew the top off and let's go do the big stuff. But how yeah. does running become an interest of yours? Right. So I went to college in Duluth, Minnesota, and that's where grandma's marathon is. And so every summer for the first couple of summers I was there, I would just go down with my friends and like watch people run the marathon. I'm like, wow, a marathon. That's amazing. And I'm so like competitive, just like internally competitive. And I, my senior year, I was like, I want to run a marathon. Like I didn't train. I didn't drink any water. It's like, I mean, it's June in Duluth, Minnesota. So it's cold. I roll up with like shorts and a tank top. People are in, you know, like the sweatshirts and everything. So I was like a total rookie, but I just like wanted to run the marathon and crossed off my bucket list just from everything that like had happened throughout that race. Like I just felt so strong. I like honestly felt like superwoman, just like flying down like Lake Superior and just like the crowds of people were so energizing and exciting. And honestly, after like college basketball was done with, like you train for that sport, like your entire life, the off season and everything. And I knew as soon as I crossed the marathon finish line, I was like, I want to run marathons. And I think for me, again, just being very internally motivated and competitive, just like within myself, it was like the best thing and just like the natural move to make. And I'm so glad that I have had that outlet. Um, but yeah, it kind of started off as like just crossing it off my bucket list and obviously like spiraled into so much more. <laughs> I, I'm just curious because I have not run grandma's or seen too much about it, but my wife mm -hmm. and I spent an anniversary in Duluth. Duluth has hills like San Francisco. Is it, does the marathon go through any of that? So the good thing about the marathon is, is that it starts like way up in two harbors. And so it's like a downhill course. There is like a few hills, but I mean, I've been to San Francisco, I've ran San Francisco. So it's not San Francisco Hills because they actually do a really nice job of starting you up high okay. in two harbors. So you're running down into Canal Park. So it's not hilly like San Francisco hilly. 
Well, it felt like because we were there in the winter when the, the streets were icy and I was afraid yeah. that I was going to start sliding down the hill and end up in a lake somewhere. But luckily we got, I mean, it. that's scary when you go out on 21st and like your wheels give out because yes, I've, <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> I don't live where it's cold. So, <laughs> so we know then, okay. So 48 marathons to date. So, I mean, you not only did you start running, but you took off, right? And that you made that your thing. Mm -hmm. We know you had a goal of, of 100 marathons. COVID hits, things changed for all of us. When did you start thinking, okay, maybe ultras are the thing? Like, how, do, how did that happen? Um, I would say, like, I had always obviously kind of known about ultras kind of like later in my marathon journey and I was been like oh that's cool like I didn't know a ton about them I heard of like a hundred miler and again I was like wow that's like a lifetime goal like that would be cool and it wasn't my intention honestly like anytime soon to do it but like once Boston canceled in 2022 it was just like gut-wrenching because it was like you know you were almost in like peak training was like just about done with and then I was like feeling good. I was like just hitting really great paces and then it canceled and it was like heartbreaking. Obviously there was so much more going on in the world that was a lot more important than a marathon. Um, you know, but from like that kind of standpoint, I was like, okay, I need like another goal to chase. Like, what do you, like, what would I do if I couldn't run and like compete like that? It would just be so hard for me. And so I looked into just like ultra running and then I was like, well, now is the time to do hundred miles. Like very few people are going to like want to run an ultra. It's not going to cancel. I looked, started looking in like South Carolina just because that was so much more open than North Carolina. And so like I had confidence in that and I knew like chasing a hundred mile, like that just like was like the next goal for me. I needed this like huge challenge mentally just to get through like, especially the beginning stages of the pandemic when there was just like so much that was unknown because I had no idea when like I would get to run a marathon again. Um, and so I was like, hey, ultras, like this is it. Like I need this for myself. Um, and so that's when I decided to like really pursue ultras. So did you do anything before the 100 mile or like any other ultra distances? Um, a 50K... I think I did two 50Ks before that. Okay. And you did the first 100 yeah. in April of 2021. Yep. It was actually Country Mile last year. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. That was a big jump in a year. Yeah. It was straight 100 miles, like 100.9, I think is what it, what it was. And was that a, we were looking at it before, was that a timed event or was mm -hmm. it, because it's the Country Mile, it's, it's always loops, right? Is it, is it always timed? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a fantastic way. You know, and we've talked about, it's one of the reasons I love stuff like the backyard. I mean, just to get people to say, hey, what can I do? Because sometimes it's daunting to think point to point, or I got to run mm -hmm. 50 miles or I fail, you know, those types of timed things are, seem like a great opportunity to just go out and say, what can I do? And clearly, you know, you've done pretty well with them. I'm interested. So as you started to make that transition, mm -hmm. when I think marathon training, I think super regimented road running and it's kind of like two different worlds so one i'm interested in what the transition was like to the trail if it felt like a transition and then two did you and we'll get into some like really tactical training stuff later but did you change your approach and like okay this is you know a new mindset looking at ultras um yeah so for me i always love the long run like that's my favorite run like if i could go out and run like that 20 miler versus like a tempo i would do that any day so for me, it was very enjoyable. 
Um, it definitely took a lot of like the pressure off that I sometimes had felt in marathon yeah. training. Cause I think sometimes you go and thinking like, Oh, I have to hit these splits. And then if you don't, it can be just like super frustrating. You're always like looking at your watch. Whereas like with ultras, it's not like that definitely was an adjustment in the beginning because I was so like used to always like checking my watch and my pace. And so I just needed to stop running like with my watch just to get like out of that mindset. Um, and I actually didn't train on the trail. I still like run on the road all the mm. time. I just kind of where I live, like it's just roads. Like there aren't really trails that are close by. I know we have like some trails in Charlotte, but it's just not, I'm like when I'm up super early in the morning, I just want to go run. And so like road it is. Um, so I never really trained on trails. I just kept roads. That's like me. I mean, I'm running on roads primarily too. Yeah, same here. And so that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did not say it. So we know you're from Wisconsin. You went to school in Minnesota, but you live mm -hmm. in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Do you ever hit up the Whitewater Center? Not really. Uh, <laughs> man, if I lived, it is a great one though. If I lived out there, I'd be at the Whitewater Center. That is a great all place. Time, I think because it's 24 hours. You can get in there anytime. Can of the day. you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why I went super early. Anyways, distracted. I digress. No, but since April 21st, when or April to 2021, you reigned that first 100, and then since that time, you have now put together five 100 events, with the last one being this last weekend. Mm -hmm. So in a in a year in one year she has run over 100 miles five different times that's a lot of, of hundos in a darn year. impressive <laughs> well not only that but jumping straight to it um let's talk about the country mile perfect all right so country mile this was like three days ago if that your first 48 hour you took first place i think it was just over 160 miles because of the way the course is mm -hmm. laid out it's a very, very impressive effort. We've got lots of questions about <laughs> how you navigate some of that. But first, let's talk about the country mile. If you can just kind of describe the race for us and same kind of thing, right? If, if mm -hmm. what do we see, what do we hear, what do we feel, you know, that kind of stuff. Give us the layout of the country mile. Mm -hmm. So I love the country mile because it is a nighttime start. Um, so last year started at 8 p.m. This year started at 6 p.m. And so you're running through the night to begin with. And so for me, you're running on fresh legs, your adrenaline, like you're excited. So the first night, I feel like you're not even really phased by like running through the night because you're excited that you're out there. And then the next day, like the sun comes up and then like there's a 50K. And so there's like daylight. So the course looks totally different than what it just looked at at night. And there's just like new energy and excitement. So that to me, I think it was really helpful. So it's like just over three miles and it's relatively flat. There's like one hill, I would say a few like small little inclines, but the nice thing about that is like, it's just like packed dirt. And then there's like some grassy stretches. So for like a beginner runner, it's like the best because it's not technical trail at all. It's very wide. Everyone has like their cars or their campers like parked along the course. So you're running past it. So your aid station is there every three miles, which again, I think makes it a lot easier. You don't really have to carry anything with you. If you need to, you know, put a sweatshirt on or whatever, you're always going by the aid station. And then it goes until 6 PM on Sunday night. And you can kind of take it however you want. Like everyone strategy is different with how they want to run the miles um but for like a first time ultra it's perfect it has like a, i mean a lot of people went for 100 miles and like 48 hours is like a very generous cutoff I mean, you don't really hear of like many 100 milers you know having 48 hours um so great opportunity for just kind of like first time runners who just want to like learn obviously the ultra running community is like so nice and supportive so encouraging but yeah it's like a super fun event 
upstate ultras is matt hammersmith in that group mm -hmm. and uh yeah. you know been there a few of their races and like you said just such a good atmosphere they've got a, a great community i want to know about this 48 hour idea um, because when you say you have a nighttime start at 6 p.m and i get up most days at 5 a.m um, or earlier just for kicks i don't know why but i do and let's say that you get up at 6 a.m that day that means you're up 12 hours mm -hmm. before your race starts and if it's a 48 hour event that that theoretically means if you don't take a nap anytime along the way, you've been up for 60 hours. Mm -hmm. yeah, How do you prepare so, for that? So for me, I would say this also has been just a huge advantage. I am like one of those very few people in the world who naturally only sleeps four hours a night. I've been like that since I was a kid. And so kind of like what you said, I naturally like wake up at 3.30. So I just, I don't know, like, and I was up, you know, super early, like Friday morning, was up the whole day, didn't nap. The first time I slept wasn't until about like 1 a.m. So that would have been Saturday morning because I went to, my goal was 150 miles. So I wanted to get to 36 and then I took my first like hour break. Then I wanted to get to 75 miles and then I took like an hour and a half break because that would have been halfway. Um, and then I wanted to get to 111 and then I slept for, I wouldn't even call it sleep, like kind of off and on for like three and a half ish hours. Um, but I like felt like sustained and wasn't sleepy tired throughout it. And that's kind of like how I broke up my like sleep breaks throughout it. I mean, I'm impressed and I'm bummed <laughs> you do that. because I was hoping for some, so I, I try to get up at three 30 and I'm wrecked every morning. Right. It's like a fight. So I, I don't have the natural like pop up after four hours. And when I did a backyard ultra, like, I mean, I'm like almost crying at 32 hours, right? Cause I'm just so tired. So I was, I was like, okay, she's going to have some tips on like how to, so knowing that it's natural, I'm like, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure you still have, have tips. So, um, but she did, she, she took an hour after, after the 50 K, like at around 36, 37 miles, she said, but, but that in and of itself fascinates me. You said you took an hour break and an hour and a half break and a three and a half hour break across the, the, the timeframes. <clears throat> so when I, you know, we talked briefly before we got started here recording is I did the Umstead this past weekend or two weeks ago as well. I know that if I sit in the chair too long at my aid station, I begin to lock up before I get going, like body wise, everything gets, it's hard. I'm, maybe I'm just old. It's hard for me to get going, right? So I'll be 50 this year. So I am old. You can cut that out too. But anyway, um, and so how do you, how do you get moving like literally get moving mm -hmm. after sitting for an hour or an hour and a half but really even after the three and a half hours how do you get your body to start say it's re-engaged time let's go so honestly that was something that I was super nervous about just because my other 100s I had never slept I had really never stopped for more than like and it wasn't until like my last 100 that I did in February that I like sat down after each loop which is about six miles for like two to three minutes to eat and just like you know take a moment but before that, I just had always like powered through, obviously 48 hours. I was like, I'm going to have to sleep. But I was nervous just because I was like, how will my body respond to that? So I didn't want to have any breaks that were like super long, just because I was very like unsure. And so like when I took that first hour break, um, that's like where I, the first time I took in like, I mean, I was like eating, but like, you know, like bigger like a bigger meal and took in a lot of electrolytes. I massaged gone out before. 
um, and stretched before I even sat down. And then when I got up, like I actually felt super energized and I felt fine, but I made sure to like stretch and massage gun again. And I actually like was able to move. And I mean, I wasn't really phased by it. I didn't feel like I had just ran 36 miles. I think it was like the stretching, massaging, and just like making sure I was taking in like food and everything. Um, but yeah, going into it, that definitely was like one of the things I was the most nervous about. So when you, when you stop for an hour, and I'm going to tie in two things you've said already, you stop for an hour at mile 36, and you're very competitive. When you got up after that hour, were you still in first? To be honest, I don't know, because the thing that's like hard about the timing is like, so when you cross over, it says like what lap you're at, but you only know like the people that are, who just like finished. So like they might be at, you might be at lap 15, but they could be at lap like 10. Like, so you just don't know like place wise where you are. And so that I honestly didn't even realize like how far ahead I was at until like they told me on Sunday. Otherwise, like I really had no idea where like anyone else was. Hmm. It's fascinating. And we've heard a similar story where it's like, you know, people might be on opposite ends of the course sure. and not recognize that, you know, they're either in competition or not and think they are, you know, something like that. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Pacing wise, do you do, because obviously 48 hours, right? So you've got to sustain. Did you plan in any kind of walk run? Did you just kind of run until you listened to your body? What was your plan going in there? Um. So, so for the first couple loops, like, I got to about like 20 ish miles and just like a pure run. Again, it's not like fast, but just like a consistent run, low heart rate. And I felt totally fine. But after that, I was like, okay, I need to bring in the walk run. And again, something that was really great about the course is that there's like so many um, just like markers of like where you have to turn and stuff like that. So I actually use that signage as far as like, okay, just like get to that point and then you get a walk break until you get to the next sign. Or there was like this big barn or like this tractor and just having stuff like that. And as the race went on, mentally, that's something that really helped me, especially like overnight when I would get tired and I was like, oh, okay, I have to run. But it would be like, okay, it's just until that sign up there. Then you get that walk break right there. And so using that walk run as like incentive just to like push through helped me a lot. Uh, it also helped like the loop go by very quickly because once you've ran it several times, like, you know, like where the walk <laughs> break is, like, you know, all of that. And so, yeah, it just became super helpful to know, like, just how much more I had to go and to like, keep pushing. Um, but yeah, definitely adding a walk run, I would say um, probably about like 20 miles and that I just consistently did that then throughout the rest of the race. So how many um, 3.1 mile loops did you end up having to do? Uh, 53. 53 would get you to 160-ish. That's a lot. So of the impressive. Same you mentioned low heart rate. Do you train by heart rate and or do you reference heart rate during your races? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely heart rate. I feel like that to me, especially just getting out of like the pace mindset. I mean, I think obviously like living in North Carolina, you deal with like heat and humidity and all that kind of stuff. And so your heart rate is changing a lot. And so, yeah, I definitely go off like heart rate and not look at my paces. And that has like really helped me a lot, but just keeping my heart rate super low. Um, Cause sometimes you can be like, oh, this feels like a super easy run. But then you like, look at your heart rate and you're like, well, like I was working a lot harder than like what I should have been. And so that just helps me to not even be like tempted to look at my like paces. So for somebody that's listening, that goes, okay, so I'm interested because she's successful and she's, you know, using heart rate. Can you just explain kind of your method or, you know, what, what specifically are you looking at? Or is there something you can point to somebody if, if they want to start using it effectively the way you do? 
Yeah. Um, I just think like using your heart rate is like such a good tool because I feel like, you know, everyone all the time, like, you know, is on Strava or you're like posting your splits and your like paces. And I think, but like you could, someone could say like, Oh, I went on like a 10 mile easy run and my pace was at seven minutes. And then you are like, you know, feeling bad about yourself. Cause like you ran 10 miles and your pace was at 10 minutes, but you know, but, like you don't know what their heart rate and what their effort. So that could have been super fast. That's something I had to learn too, because I was very guilty of that you know, there's feeling like, oh, my run wasn't good because, you know, my pace is slower. But like, once you realize like, no, I, this is actually more productive because like endurance comes before speed and ultras, you're not super focused on your speed as far as doing like fast workouts. So staying with like your heart rate and just knowing that like you want to build that endurance and like be able to keep that throughout. So keeping your heart rate super low is actually really beneficial obviously everyone's heart rate is going to be different factors are going to be different as far as like if you're hydrated like the weather but the more fitness that you're building the like the better your heart rate is going to be and you will eventually like pick back up to your like a pace but again just looking at heart rate um and I've done that honestly like the last year and it's been like a game changer for me just like in the mental side of like running her bottom line there was endurance before speed yep it was good 160 miles 48 hours and I'm interested because when we messaged, we asked you a couple questions before and you said, hey, your lowest point, it was also your most memorable at the time, but your lowest point was during your first 100 mile effort. Mm -hmm. So first, just tell me, <laughs> tell us about when it sucked during a 160 mile effort. And then after <laughs> the fact, I'm interested to how the two compared. Yeah, so I would say the weather was like the hardest thing. We had like some crazy winds and just really cold temperatures. Like there was frost on the ground on Sunday. And I think like last year at this race, it was hot and humid and we had rains. And so this was just like the exact opposite. I love heat and humidity. So I will run oh. mid-August any day. I love that. I was obviously deprived of it so long living in Wisconsin and Minnesota. So I love it. Um, and so, yeah, I would say like the wind and the cold, um, honestly, not the first night because you're just like still pretty excited. It wasn't honestly until I reached about 111 miles, like that next night, it was like 10 o'clock. I was getting tired and it was cold. It was windy. And that was when people really started to kind of like go into sleep and like take their long breaks and stuff. And just like then that's like when I knew this is like your opportunity to like build in some miles and so I told myself, like, you're only going to go and rest, but like, you're going to get up at 3am. And I just remember like my alarm went off. I was tired. I was cold. I was like shivering. And like, I did not want to get back up and run. But I also just kept reminding myself of like, you're so close to one. I mean, you're not close to 150, but I was like, you're getting closer to 150. And like, that just like was like my end goal. And just that, like, this is the time to like make up those miles. Cause I like, didn't want to be coming down to like the wire on Sunday and to be stressed on Sunday about like, oh, I have to be running all of these laps at this pace to hit like 150. And I just remember like getting up just like tired, cold. And like, once I got like out of my car, I was just like out there honestly, like I was the only person out there. I like, didn't see a headlamp for several loops. <laughs> I think mentally that was so hard, but then I was also like, oh, like I'm gaining laps on people. And so like, that also was like very encouraging to me, but it's just like the mental side of it to like get going. Once I got going, it was okay. But again, it's dark. You can't, I mean, you can see, but like not that well. I just think like that part, like the second night, just getting up there and being like the only one out there. There was a lot of people that obviously, I mean, they should have been, but just like people sleeping like by the aid station and stuff like that. 
So like you didn't really see anyone. There was like no one to talk to or just kind of like give you, you know, like a pat on the back and stuff like that. So that was definitely like mentally like the hardest part was just like to get up in like the middle of the night like that. Do you have any specific techniques or things that you tell yourself? I mean, you talked a little bit about your thought process there, right? About, hey, this is hard because I can't see anybody at the same time. I'm getting ahead of everybody. But just when things get hard and we talk about kind of getting into the pain cave and people have different methods or mantras or whatever, do you have something that you latch onto when things get difficult? I think honestly, just like having that confidence and like belief in myself. And I was like, this is like why you've trained. Like you've worked so hard for this. And I think just wanting that goal, like for myself, like when I set a goal, like I want it for myself, like, yeah, you're competing against other people. But like, again, for me, it's all like internal motivation. Like I wanted that 150, but I like wanted it for myself. And I think like when it means so much to you, like you're just willing to do whatever it takes. So like, yeah, in that moment it sucked and it was really hard, but I also like wanted my goals like so bad that there was like no way I wasn't going to make it happen. And I knew like, that's just like what I had to do. So just reminding myself of like, no, like you want this for yourself and like the sun is going to come up and like, it's going to be okay. Like in a few hours, but just like get through this like stretch. But yeah. I'm curious you because you have said it multiple times just then that it was a very important to you um, to get 150 because, because in a 48 hour race, you have the option to lay down as long as you want to lay down and get as many miles as you want to get. Um, it's different than a, than a set distance of saying you've got to finish 100 miles or 100, 200 miles in a, in a certain time frame. This is a timed event where you can pick and choose. You could have 10 miles and have done, have completed 48 hours, right? It doesn't matter in that type of thing. So why for you was it so important to hit 150? Um, I guess like for me, it's like, that's just the goal I set. Like when I ran this race last year, I ran my first 100 in 24 hours. And so this year I was like, no, I want like the next big challenge. So obviously that was the step to the 48 hour. And then I was like, Hey, 150 miles. Like that's it. I honestly don't really know necessarily like why I picked 150. I just felt like that felt like such a huge goal to me. Um, it's definitely something I wanted to accomplish. It just kind of felt like the magic number. Um, so I just wanted 150. I think it's great. Uh, I mean, there's a, we all have our own reasons and everything. And so you just latched onto a number there that you saw was attainable, but that would be very difficult for you to accomplish. And yet you work to get to it. So I think it's great. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. On the tactical note, I'm interested. I'm guessing that it wasn't, and I, I read a little bit about kind of how you manage this, but I'm guessing it wasn't 48 hours worth of gels, right? For fueling. <laughs> so, so how did you, uh, one, I'm interested in what your plan was. And if you're like me, my plan goes out the window once I get to a certain point because nothing sounds good anymore. But did you stick to your, what your plan was? Did you stick to it? And then kind of, yeah, how did, how did you fuel for 48 hours? Mm -hmm. I think just think back to my first 100 last year, just like how little I ate and just like barely drank anything. And then, I mean, you just learn like so much about like yourself and like what you can stomach, obviously feeling and hydration is so important. Um, but it's also hard to do, um, until you kind of figure out like what works for you. And so I had just, you know, kind of figured out what like worked for me the best, but I always like so diligent sticking with my plan. Like I did not miss a beat with that again, just because like, I just was so focused. I knew like exactly what my stomach could stomach. I'm also such a picky and bland eater. So like, I'm not even tempted to eat anything really that I wouldn't normally eat. So it was really easy to stick with like PB and J's, which I've always done peanut butter crackers. I did gels, tailwind and some fruit. And then I had some Skittles. 
And like, that's it. I just stuck with that. And like every six miles, like every two loops, I was taking in something and I just was very diligent with that. Um, and just honestly, like the food, like there was obviously so much food there. People were eating like everything, but like the thought of eating just like a burger or something like that, I was like, absolutely not. And so I just, I never was tempted to eat anything other than PB&J. But now the thought of eating anything with peanut butter, I'm like, no, I can't. No more, no more peanut butter. <laughs> you ruined yourself on peanut butter for 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, about, a, I want to get a clarification on that. Yeah. Um, so you said you were eating every two loops and everything. Um, so that's mm-hmm. a, that's a distance goal, uh, for when you cho- chose to eat, uh, as you began to slow down, did you change that to one every, once every loop? Um, so when the sun came out on Sunday and it started to get like hot and humid, then I was taking watermelon, um, every, every loop, mm-hmm. but it, when it was cold, and it was windy. Um, no, then I stuck with every two. But once the sun was out, I felt like it was very different just because it was getting super hot. Um, but then that changed every every loop. Cool. Just curious. Do you do any specific supplementation for hydration? Do you use salt pills, uh, add anything to water? I know you said mm-hmm. tailwind, but tailwind. Tailwind's got electrolytes. Does it have electrolytes? Okay. Mm-hmm. Carbs. Yeah. So I like watered down tailwind. Sometimes I feel like it's too sweet and flavorful. So I do like half water and half tailwind, um, just like mix it in a bottle. And then I've done like the real salt chews, just for when it gets like super hot and humid. I like human gels that like really sits well with my stomach. It honestly tastes like applesauce to me. Um, so I've just kind of stuck with that. I, I just used apples. I use applesauce at all my races, like the go-go. Oh, that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's super easy. And you know, it's funny at Umstead, did Kathy tell you about that? Did you take my applesauce? I kept coming through and because I didn't get applesauce before we actually, the we went to Target and they were out. And all of a sudden on the aid station, it was there and, and they had laid out, they were taking bets and they put applesauce in the mix. And of course I picked it up and Kathy was like, yeah, I took the applesauce. And that's kept, that kept being what I wanted. So I thought that was funny. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's easy. Mm-hmm. We are really on a tangent. Yeah. No, I mean, we're talking, we're talking nutrition. Um, and I agree with you, I, you know, seeing somebody eat a burger during an ultra, it's not something that I've ever related to. I think the only time I do like though, I get to a point where I do like whole foods. I eat peanut butter jelly sandwiches all the time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times I'm sipping on similar to what you're talking about, sipping on liquid calories. I prefer whole foods, but I tend to stick to the melons and peanut butter and jelly and peanut butter crackers, the kind of the things you're saying. I did one time during uh capital, I ate a spicy, I didn't know a spicy at the time, a spicy quesadilla. And I thought that was a terrible idea. Luckily it didn't oh, no. lately backfire on me, but <laughs> I was like, all right, don't do that anymore. Mm-mm. So just uh, before we kind of get away from, and because everybody's different. In fact, our last guest, Chris Varnado, I mean, he runs some monster miles and uh, yeah. he, ta- he, he, he talked about comparing you know, sometimes he has to pull away from Strava because he knows he puts in all the work. And then there's other people out there that may perform really well that are running 50 miles a week compared to, you know, his hundred plus. So I'm interested in kind of what your training, recognizing that we may have cycles, um, but what's kind of your base building mileage look like training look like? Mm-hmm. I think this past year it's been different, just like training for 100s. Um, just so that's something I like routinely like kept doing. So it's always been like three weeks of like high mileage and like super like hard effort in the sense of like mileage, like not time and like pace sense, but just like high mileage. Again, I enjoy that. My body honestly responds super well to that. I do commit a lot of time to doing like yoga classes at least like three times a week, which honestly game changer. I haven't had like aches and pains or injuries or anything like that. Doing a ton of like stretching and foam rolling, but yeah, so like three weeks hard effort, 
one week of a down week and then just like continuing that just because I was doing 100s like you know honestly they kind of like between my first 100 and then I guess I did one in September then again in October February so there hasn't been like a huge like break in between them but always taking like a week off of like running afterwards um I think it's just also really important to like listen to your body like there's like a time when you like want to push yourself, but if you are feeling aches and pains, like you want to address that issue right away. And there's no sense in like pushing through it, especially when you think of an ultra, like you want to think long game ultra, like, so there's no point in like pushing through stuff like that. But I mean, I have felt like pretty great. Um, but yeah, three weeks on, I would say, and then a down week. Can I ask her to define high yeah. mileage? Yep. That's what I was going to go. So what does high mileage oh. <laughs> look like to you? Yes um anywhere between 80 and 100 um one week I peaked out at like 111 yeah <laughs> um and then I also honestly commit a lot of time to climbing the the, the stairmaster I love it like I could spend like two three hours on that and that's something that I've used a ton um just with I would say like the last like six plus months um that's kind of something different that I have just like incorporated a bunch and that has been like really great for me just like working on like hill climbs and stuff like that um and so yeah that's been something I've done too I think that's a great tip and we've heard that from a few people how, how often do you do the stair faster I mean I would say at least like three times a week wow wow that's like Anthony Lee yeah yeah that's great and Charlotte was doing Charlotte, mm -hmm. similar stuff because we don't have any real hills around here. Mm -hmm. You know, you've at least got some elevation yeah. out there, but but that's continual yeah, elevation. That's the difference crazy. on the stairs. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's climbing. That's a lot of climbing. And you're also putting in eighty to hundred miles of running uh, flats, and then you've yeah. got and then and then you've got yoga three times a week as well. Um, mm -hmm. That's a that's a good picture. That's, that's a, a lot. lot. It is. <laughs> If I did that, I would have finished up it. <laughs> <laughs> or you could be like me and muddy your way through it. Being awful. So we've I asked should have done that. We've asked you a bunch of questions, but let's try to boil it down. Obviously, you've got the experience. Let's say somebody has just a couple minutes with you, right? And they go, Hey, what can I learn from you? What would you say are kind of your two to three key tips if you're gonna try to boil it down for somebody that wants to, I would say, improve their running? first of all, like define your goals and be like very definitive in that, but make sure that their goals, like for yourself, you want to strive and work hard for them, but they also should be attainable goals. And then like put in the work, like you just, you can't achieve it if you don't put in the work and like, it definitely like, it's not always going to be fun, enjoyable. You're going to have like challenging running moments and like that's to be expected because if it's easy and you're breathing through it, like you're not working hard enough, but like also to like achieve whatever your goal is in running, like you have to put in the work. And so there's no like shortcuts in that. And so just, I mean, mentally be prepared for that, like make it important, like, you know, write it in your calendar, like today, like this is my workout and just like stay diligent and focused in that. Um, obviously. And then just like give yourself grace as well. I think that's really important um, just because like life happens and like stuff comes up. We don't always like hit our goals. So just, I mean, yeah, giving yourself grace, but like also don't make excuses. I love that um, only because we talked about the number of ultras you've done so far. And so I, I see that mindset in somebody who's new to ultra meaning like they're getting ready to do their first or second one. Like you got to work really hard. You got to stay focused and all these things. And if you want to accomplish those goals, but what I have found is that I've done multiple ultras now in my life. And um, mm -hmm. if I'm not careful, I will become complacent and begin to mm -hmm. rely on that 
as opposed to continuing to work hard and understanding that every mile is difficult and every ultra is going to be difficult regardless of how many I've done in the past because this is now the next one ahead of me. So I think what mm -hmm. you're saying to me, it strikes the idea of, of paying attention to the tendency to become complacent in your training. Um, also, if you're an experienced ultra runner as well. So it's, it's a great point. Mm -hmm. um, there is something that we have a quote from you that um, <clears throat> I want to know why you say, say it and what it means to you. And um, you said, and I can't remember where we pulled this from, but it says, through running, I became the person I was always meant to be. Um, yeah, so I definitely have said that in like several articles that I've either been interviewed for or have like written. I just feel like finding running, I just feel the most like myself. Like when I am just like out running, I feel confident and I feel beautiful and strong. And just like the woman like that God had made me to be, I think of myself when I wasn't a runner, you know, I was very much so struggling with my alopecia and just confidence in myself, never really feeling like myself. But now when I'm running, I was like, no, like this like is my gift. Like I love to run. I love like doing it for me. And just because it makes me so happy. Um, but yeah. It's great. I love it. I love it. And I think that, you know, you, you talk a lot about people being true to themselves, believing in themselves. Uh, you live it, you know, for anybody that follows you. And if you don't, we'll go over the information in a second, but go follow Lindsay. You are just brimming with positivity. And I think you're such a role model for the ultra community and you're crushing it. <laughs> bottom line right you're crushing yeah. it but she's a role model in a lot of places i think well, even, a, even for people who just struggle with how people perceive them and stuff like you you've got a lot going for you on on the things you've worked through and just that um that i think it is a good role model for for anyone um that can look at you and see that you can take how people may perceive you in a certain way and you can change that perception um to where it isn't just about how somebody may stare at you but it's who you who you are and who you can be um, that's what Lindsay's all about. Thank you. That's so nice. <laughs> so before we sign off, I'm interested. This is actually Jeff's question. So <laughs> I'm interested though. I'm very interested. <laughs> what is something people would be surprised to know about you that we haven't asked about? I have a super big sweet tooth. I eat so much candy. Yeah, I am a vegetarian, but I really don't like vegetables. Um, <laughs> I can't cook. Um, <laughs> I'm not even sure how that works. Yeah, how do you? <laughs> I know. Honestly, I'm not really sure either. I just like, <laughs> I don't know. Just call it a plantitarian. Like, I, I don't want yeah. the vegetables. I just eat plants. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't know how that works. Are, are you? Are you? I, know. I would say more like a fruititarian. Like, I love fruit. I could eat a lot of fruit, but like vegetables, I really struggle with that because I don't like vegetables. But like, I don't eat like meat. I really don't eat dairy. Um, I don't know. I have like a weird diet. I'm super picky. <laughs> she doesn't eat. That's so she eats awesome. a lot of peanut butter <laughs> and jelly peanut sandwich. butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is why a hamburger was not appetizing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. yeah, that's true. Aside it's from not, that. it's not as a, as earth shattering as it was before. <laughs> well, here's the deal. And you've mentioned writing. And so you're on Instagram. It's at Lindsay Hannah three. We'll post it in the notes. And if people go look at your link tree, they're going to see a ton of stuff in there. So you're a very talented writer. You've been featured in all kinds of podcasts and articles and I mean, reputable magazines and shows and, um, so lots to see there aside from that and kind of all those links, is there any place else that people should follow you or keep up with you at? No, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> no, fantastic. Um, again, and now she's featured on our podcast. That's right. And now you can say that you've been featured on the Ultra and I guess and I'll real, add it to my link tree. Yeah. All, and all, uh, all four or five <laughs> people are going to come. Uh, just kidding. Actually, we've got it. We've, we have seven. <laughs> we've actually got a great community. Um, anyways, but Lindsay, just thank you so much for spending the time with us. Again, you know, you're an inspiration, obviously, both for what you do with the alopecia community and then just out there crushing it, setting the example for all of us runners. Um, so we're excited to see. I know you've got the Berlin Marathon coming up um, and you said lots of other opportunities. Is there anything else you dialed in on yet? Um, That's yeah, a yes. Just, she doesn't want yeah. to say it. No, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm kind of waiting a few days to kind of okay. yeah um I yeah I just have a lot of I think just you know last weekend went much better than expected um I'm really happy with that obviously giving myself like time to rest and recover right now um but yeah definitely Berlin Marathon this fall um I definitely want to you know get back into marathons and just you know give that a try and see like do I really love marathons or do I really love ultras but I definitely want to do stuff with ultras um yeah so just kind of a lot of possibilities right now my guess is one of the, like the big, but 200 in Moab is what I'm thinking she's going to bust out with. We'll see. That's what I'm thinking. Well, this is, so for reference, <laughs> recording on April 12th, and I think we've got about a week and a half to it gets released. So by the time you hear this, you know, go either way, go follow Lindsay, see, see what she is up to, um, because I have no doubt big things are in store. Uh, but again, thank you for spending the time with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are the best. I appreciate it. Thank you. Can you keep that in there? Yes. All right. And we will talk soon. Cut. Cut. As you can tell, we're really not in an office or anything or in a studio. Yeah. It's just his dining room with a big board behind us. No, I, that's, that's, that's awesome. I feel like that's like ultra running. Like you just like make it happen and it's just like so basic, but it just like works. Um, there's a possibility that over the course of our conversation that I may say something inappropriate about myself. How was Umstead? It was better for him than it was for me. <laughs> Klaustein. Klaustein. Right. Klaustein. She has no idea what we're talking about. Oh, and she's right. very concerned that we become German. <laughs> I'm just wondering if she's freaked out now because you said you were going to say inappropriate stuff. About myself. <laughs> Thank you. You guys were so nice and so like easy, easy to talk to. So I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Uh, we are trying really hard. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he ran a much better race than I did. I just mm -hmm. seem to be recovering quicker. But that helps when you don't run the whole race. I may actually have a stress fracture, but that's beside the point. <gasps> Do you have a stress fracture from this weekend? Um, I actually feel great. Because, <laughs> I mean, you ran 60 miles less than her, so it seems like if you had a... Right, and I didn't DNF with a stress fracture. <laughs> <laughs> So, I didn't even have a stress fracture right. for an idea. I'll have to work on my trash talk though because I don't watch enough sports. So I watch enough sports for everybody. So That's right. Oh, can we cut that G off though, her shirt? No, this represents me. This is who I am. I have like such an obsession with Aaron Rodgers. Everyone knows it. Matt knows about it. Like I just, I'm very, like, I just love him. He's the worst quarterback in the league. Okay. He's the MVP, but okay. Carry on with your trash Eagles. Okay. <laughs>